0: this is that time of the year where we begin thinking about the future, right? Many of us make lists. If not not physical lists, we make mental lists, right? Of of resolutions. Goals. Maybe eat less, move more, maybe finish a project or, or find a new job or you got something else that's really just that thing that's driving you. And we make these things, we make these goals, we make these lists and there's nothing wrong with resolutions. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. That can be a good thing. Uh, you know, Based on past New Year's sermons, you might be expecting a sermon on resolutions this morning, but that's not what you're getting. Uh, <laughs> instead, this morning, we're going to look at something that affects our resolutions. James, the book of James, is often called the practical epistle. Uh, when you read it, it is very practical in nature. Martin Luther, uh, the theologian, he called James an epistle of straw. He said it wasn't worth anything. Uh, In fact, if you pick up Martin Luther's Bible the way he put it together, James went at the back. It was an appendix. It was to be looked at only if if you wanted to, but you didn't really need to read it. Um, So James is this practical epistle with 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 practical thoughts, the truth is, uh, if you want a church handbook straight from the Bible, James might be it. Uh, James might be the place to look that would give you what to do. James deals with matters of faith in a very concrete way, you know. Whereas Paul talks about faith and and, and grace and salvation and by grace through faith and all of those things. James says, well. You show me your faith, I'll show you my faith through my works. I'll show you how faith lives itself out. I will show you faith with feet. Uh, and so James is a, a very important book, in my opinion. I don't agree with Martin Luther. Uh, so that's the reason this morning we turn to the book of James. Uh, in the fourth chapter, it's actually near the end of the book. James has done a lot of teaching in this letter. Uh, And there in the fourth chapter, in the 15th, or the 13th, excuse me, verse, um, he says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you're like smoke that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. That's it. (coughs) Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel. Speak through me thank you, Jesus, for all you do. We ask these things in your precious name, in all God's people's name. James seems to look at planners and people with resolutions, I guess, and and, and has some words about plans that we make. He talks about time and what time is in our life and what our life would look like. And There are three things this morning that really stood out to me as I read this that we need to understand going into the new year to to give us a new perspective for our new year. And the first thing we have to understand is that we must appreciate our time. We must appreciate our time. We have to recognize that time is limited. It's limited. Um, We we sometimes lose sight of that. We have a set number of breaths in this world. And, And... After that, we won't take anymore. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Lately, I have been struck by the importance of time in our lives. It's often said that you don't understand how fast life is passing until it's too late to appreciate. You look up and Things that, that you planned that didn't happen, things that you want are still so far away, and the days are, are, are ticking by and you look up and thing, things are just not where you want them to be. But this last week, age didn't seem to be a determiner there because Shiloh looked at me, or didn't look at me, he was in the back seat, but um, we were looking at some Christmas lights. Talking about what he wanted to do, and Shiloh simply said, Well, this Christmas seems like it went by in a blur. Nothing really stood out. Time is not a respecter of age. James here says, We, in the grand scheme of things, are like smoke or a mist that's here for a little while and then vanishes. Carrie and I have traveled a few times, four or five to the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg. on certain mornings, when you sit outside on the cabin porch and you look, they're called the Smoky Mountains for a reason. Because in the early morning, there is a mist that falls down on top of the mountains. And it just sits there and settles there. And if you didn't know any better, you might think it was on fire. It looks like smoke. But as the as the day wears on and the sun rises, that, that mist, that smoke begins to evaporate and it's no longer there. That's what James says our life is like. Our life in the grand scheme of things is like a mist. It's here, and while it's here, it is important, but it's there for a limited time. You know, in in the morning, certain things happen at certain times of the year. One thing I've never been able to see that one of these days I'm going to make it to see there in the Smokies is the the fireflies. At one certain point in the year, in the springtime, they have millions of fireflies that show up. And it's just for that small amount of time that you can see them. And if you aren't there in that small amount of time, you don't get to see this phenomenon. And they live for a very short lifespan. It's very important for those people who who see it. And it was a sign for, for, for Native Americans who lived there originally. They were important, there was importance there. Just because our time is short doesn't mean it's not important. We have this need to appreciate our time, and that's not new. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we develop wisdom in our hearts. Even back in the Psalms, they're talking about understanding that our days are limited. I told you before about my professor at Howard Payne, Dr. Roark. He was, he still is, a, a character. He was in his... Seventies when I had it. And he was the kind of guy where if he walked in before he got there and put his chair up on the desk at seventy, he would climb up on the desk and sit in that chair and teach from that chair. But every every day, first day of class, as you went over the syllabus, I can almost tell you word for word his speech, because he would say this. Tests are given for the class period only. Don't ask for extra time. Because you don't get extra time. There's no extra time in life. I guarantee you, he said, if you come on the day that I they they put me in the ground, if you listen carefully as you stand around the grave, if you listen close, I have a feeling you're going to hear a voice coming from that casket that says, just give me one more day. I'm not done yet. I have more things I want to do. He said, The test is the same way. Your time is limited. Don't come to me and say, Dr. Robart, I just need 10 more minutes because you're not going to get it. Your budgeted amount of time, use your time wisely. I appreciate your time. James says the same thing. He said, You make all these grand plans, but you don't know what your life's going to be. You are a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow. Time marches on, and we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We have to appreciate the time that we have, understanding its limitations, and appreciating every moment that we're given. We have to learn to make the most of our time. That's our second thought. We must make the most of our time. Knowing that time is limited should drive us to make the most. If you woke up, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you checked your bank account, and there was $31.5 million in your bank account. Ooh, I I <laughs> I'm very, very happy. I'm sure you're happy. <laughs> be happy. What would you do if you had $31.5 million in your bank account tomorrow morning? I guess, I don't know. Go ahead, tell me, buddy. What would you do? I would spend some of it. Spend it? New college. What would you do, sister? Okay. We've made plans, right? Some of us might want to buy a baseball team or something. Or we, we, we might want to buy new cars or buy some land somewhere. We have all these plans. We would make plans with the money, would we not? If on Friday this week, after waking up on Monday and finding $31.5 million, you checked your bank account and find out that someone had stolen $3,600, what would you do? Would you spend the rest of your year grieving over that lost three grand? Or would you continue to use the money that you have, plan how you had to use it, because three grand isn't that much in the grand scheme of things? What would you do? I mean, most of us wouldn't really sweat the three grand, right? We have 31.5 million seconds every year. We can't let one bad day ruin the rest of our time of the year. There are 3600 seconds in one day. It's one day. What will you do with your 31.5 million seconds this year? How will you make the most of it? What will you do to change things? We can't let one bad day ruin the rest of our time. We know our time is limited, so we can't afford to let it slip by. We need to seize every moment. (laughs) Now, I don't mean that we need to be active every moment, because that's not what it says. We need to seize every moment. Some of those moments may be moments of rest. It may be just spending time with the Lord. It may be spending time in bed sleeping because you don't ever sleep. It could be a moment of work, or a moment of failure, or a moment of success. It can be a moment of anything, but we need to seize every moment. No matter what that moment is, we need to make the most of it. Failure isn't the end. Failure is an opportunity to grow. We have to seize every moment, learn from them, be fed in them, and make the most of the time that God has given us in this next year. You have 31.5 million seconds this next year. You're pretty rich. How are you going to use it? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to make the most of the time that God has given you? Because the last thing we have to learn how to do, we have to redeem our time. Anybody else guilty of wasting a whole bunch of time? I mean, you know, I get up in the morning and I look at the, at the moments in front of me and I'm going, oh, where they want to get up. But there's so much out there. There's so much left to do. We have to redeem our time. Use it for God's glory. In God's will. doesn't matter how old you are or how much time you have left because how old am I now? Uh, in almost 30 years of ministry It's amazing that time, time is another thing that we can offer. The issue with offering for a lot of people and tithes for a lot of people sometimes is that we see the money as ours. And if I'm looking at the money as mine and I have to give my money, it's hard. But if I see the money as God's, and I'm giving God back his money and keeping what he's told me to keep, there's a whole different thing. The same happens with time. Same thing. There are two different types of people when you get to a certain age. Any, I, mean, I say a certain age, I don't know. There are some people who hit 40 and become cranky old
1: people, Right? I hit 40 and I'm over the hill now. Everything's bad.
0: You know, it's, it's just that's it. That they walk around complaining because their back hurts, their knees given out, their gout's messing up at their toe again, they can't get their hair right. Their belly never went back after having babies. I mean, you know, all those things that people say and they get cranky and they get upset and they get mad about it. But then you have these other people. Again, I've talked about her before, but I'm going to talk about her again. Her name was Mashevala Horn. And when I knew her, she was in her late 80s. And she'd been a widow for almost 40 years. And she was diabetic. And she was homebound. And she had a chair that she sat in all day crocheting. I never could take up crocheting. I tried, but it didn't work. Uh, she sat in crocheting and she would get in her chair and come out on the front porch. And that's about all she ever got to do. But I can still hear her voice before you ever knock on the door. As you walk up to her porch, as you get ready to step on I can hear her say, get in this house. (laughs) And that lady who for all intents and purposes had every reason in the world to be angry and bitter and upset. She was one of the original paramedics in the hospital there in Chillicothe. She had a very active life until she got sick. And she'd been homebound for over 20 years. But when you left her house, you felt like you had been poured into. She never quit blessing <clears throat> to the people she touched. didn't matter she couldn't make her house. She would sit on the porch and if you walked by, she'd talk to you. And if you didn't talk back, she'd keep talking. And if she's in her chair, you better stop and talk because she'll come get you. But that was her. That was her ministry and she redeemed her time. She appreciated her time. She understood that every year she was given 31.5 million seconds and she wasn't going to waste any of them. She was going to pour into other people's lives as long as she could. You don't have to stop. It doesn't matter what age you are. You don't have to stop redeeming your time. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can redeem your time. You can be what God wants you to be. You can do the things that God wants you to do. Because he goes on to say here at the end, what does he say? If you, know what, if you know to do what is good and don't do it, it's a sin. We could spend a whole sermon on that verse. If you know what to do that is good and don't do it, it's a sin. That opens up a lot of things to be sin Because there are a lot of times that I know I'm guilty of something that I should do, but then I don't do because it's an inconvenience. Okay. Um, Have you ever, not to raise your hand, you ever pass by somebody on the side of the road who was broke down? And just kept going. I'll tell you, I didn't get that much thought here until about four months ago when I had two flat tires in one day. Oh, that <laughs> uh-huh. Walked outside, the tire was flat. We carried enough long enough to get the discount tire company. They put the tire on, everything was good. We got about three, about a quarter of the way home. We got out there on, you know, Dennis Road. Suddenly, boom, period. Well, what's that? I said, we just lost the tire. And I pull over, and I've got the baby outside walking around trying to keep him safe and carry there in this old wobbly jack. And everybody just kept driving by. And I thought, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me because I know the thoughts that I was thinking. (laughs) Think about that. You know the thoughts that you would think if they did that to you. So maybe we should start thinking about what we need to do so that they're not thinking those same things about us. Because if you know to do what is good and you don't do it, it's a sin. Wow. In the end, the truth is we need to be... Doing what God wants us to do in the way He wants us to do it. That's really what what redeeming our time is about. Because our time is limited. We need to use it wisely this year. There are people out there who don't know Jesus. There are people out there who may know Jesus, who are estranged from Jesus. Painful things in the world is being estranged from somebody that you love. And there are people out there estranged from Jesus. And it might be our fault. Man, we got to change that. We got to be the people who bring people back to Jesus, bring them back to grace, bring them back to salvation, bring them back to the place where they can belong. Because here's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be the hospital for the wounded and the injured. We're not a cruise ship. We're not here so we can play mini-golf and go down the water slides and watch movies and eat at the buffet. We're here to help those who need help. That's what our calling is. And we have to be that. Because if we're not, what good are we? Maybe this morning you're going, man, come in here and make me happy this morning. I right? Hey, and I stepped all over that. Well, I'm sorry. Because the only way you're going to be happy this year is to appreciate your time. <clears throat> to use it wisely and to redeem it for God. And that will bring you happiness. That way you won't be the 40-year-old who complains about everything. You'll be the 80-year-old who is still blessing every soul who walks through her door. You just have to be who God has called you to be. And redeem the time. And if you lose one or two days along the way, if you have a couple of bad days, it's a bad day. Get over it. People used to get mad at me when Charlotte was little. Carrie really did, because she was his. Best. She was her baby, right? We had tried for ten years, and she was protective of Charlotte. He would <laughs> too protective now, yes. He would fall and hurt himself, and I would say, get up, buddy, it's okay, shake it off. And mom was trying to baby, and I was like, no, stop. She didn't like that. So you had a bad day. It's okay. You still have over 31 million more seconds to make the most of. It. Let it go. Now I'm quoting Disney. Let it go. I love, I love the lion pig. I love the little baboon. Rafiki. At that? <clears throat> that time, the Simba has had that one bad moment that wasn't even his fault. He is just so depressed and negative about it. And he's trying to decide if he needs to go back or not. And Rafiki walks up and is talking to him and he hits Simba over the head. And Simba went, ow, that hurt! What's that for? He said, it doesn't matter. It's in the So let's live out the truth of Disney today. Let it go. It's in the past. And embrace the time that God has given you. This year, we have 31.5 million opportunities to be who God wants us to be and to reach this community in this world for Jesus. What are you going to do with your time today? Maybe this morning you're going, okay, I'm ready. Sign me up. Okay, let's give it to God today. Maybe this morning... You're going, I don't know about that, Brother Troy. That's okay. Come on down. I'll pray with you. We'll get it done. Hey, this morning you just want to pray. The altar's open. Maybe you want to start your missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you want to make your first step into this next year today. Maybe you want to start next year knowing Jesus so that you can redeem all 31.5 million saints. Come down the aisle, Brother Troy. I want to know Jesus. And we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you and we praise you for your blessings.